Hey, y'all. This week's guest is Brandon Schecksneider of the podcast Southern Gothic. I loved talking to Brandon because he's a true Southerner like me. He's from New Orleans. He's an engineer in Nashville. So the podcast is super rich with sounds and the stories are amazing. There's like summer, like ghost stories, old wives tales, but he does his best to actually get the real history behind the stories. So take a listen to this week's episode. Let me know what you think. And don't forget to take a listen on Patreon, patreon.com slash pain in the pod to get bonus episodes and more content over there. Thanks. Take a listen. Hey, y'all, and welcome to pain in the pod. This week's guest is Brandon Schecksneider. And I said it right. Brandon Schecksneider of the podcast Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is a really cool podcast about historical stories from the deep south. This podcast has my favorite thing, which is good southern storytelling done by Brandon. It's layered with amazing music and great research. So welcome to the show, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Tell me how you came up with the idea to do this podcast and why you named it Southern Gothic as opposed to like, you know, Southern Stories. Well, we started the podcast basically looking at all of us grew up in the South with these tales that maybe your mama told you, maybe, you know, your granny told you or something. You you grew up with these tales and you hear them. And as you grow up, they kind of mutate and there are these things and everybody in the South knows them, but nobody really understands what's behind them. So uh, my wife grew up in Tennessee. She grew up with the Bell Witch. All they knew was they were scared to go over to that field as teenagers. They didn't yeah. really know what the story was. And so Brienne and I, you know, my sister Brienne, we uh, we grew up with parents that were genealogists, and they used to bring us out to these cemeteries all the time back before you know back before Ancestry.com was around. And we basically grew up going to cemeteries and libraries down in New Orleans in Southeast Louisiana, and we learned a little bit about research. She made it her career. And growing up at those cemeteries and growing up in New Orleans made us really extra interested in, in finding out what's the point behind these things? What's really going on with these little ghost stories? And and that's how we came up with the concept. Yeah. Your sister, Brienne, she's pretty much your podcast partner on this. And she does a lot of the research and then you do the music and the storytelling of it. And I guess the writing of it. It's neat that it's your, that's your sister that does it. So the two of you grew up in New Orleans and your family, you were telling me earlier, has a long history of being from New Orleans. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I think of New Orleans, of course, I just think of driving into New Orleans from Mississippi, where I'm from, and seeing, first thing you see is all the above ground graveyards. Sure. Right? Yeah. Because if people don't know, you can't bury people in New Orleans underground because of the water level. It would be a gruesome scene, I guess. Everybody would float to the top. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love cemeteries too. And everybody thinks I'm so weird. But even here in Virginia, where I live now, there's all these cool cemeteries. And my kids are like, that's so creepy. I'm like, you can learn so much from cemeteries. (laughs) You can make up the story in your mind, right? You go to a tombstone and you like make it up. But it sounds like your family was actually, your parents were actually studying it. So they are both genealogists by by profession? Well, they were by hobby. By hobby. Okay. But it was it was something they were always involved in. They were involved in all the organizations down there. It was something we, I mean, we were getting pulled into libraries to go look at microfilm and everything as kids. And so we were around it a lot. But New Orleans itself, man, I mean, there's there's nowhere else you can get kind of a spooky vibe growing up. There's so many stories. And, and those cemeteries were so unique, as you're saying, why they're so interesting is when you go to a cemetery, there's literally a story every three feet. Mm-hmm. There's an entire life's worth of stories every three feet. And 
it just it, it th that story gets inside of you and being from the south storytelling is i mean that's where it's at in the south right but your background as a profession now, you're a music producer. Well, I'm an engineer. Engineer, okay. I work in recording studios and, and make country music. I've been doing, I've been on Music Row for about 15 years and and I've uh, been making a lot of a lot of songwriters records and things like that. So that's, that's why it's such an interesting or unique kind of sounding podcast probably. Right, because you can, you put the music in where it's supposed to be not just, you know, beginning and end on the bookends. It's all throughout the podcast. And it sort of lends to that. If a story is spooky, it sort of lends to that spooky part of the story where like, you kind of feel that like if you're walking through a graveyard or going to a church or you're hearing the, if it's a Civil War tale, that kind of thing. So tell me just a smidge about your day job. My day job? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it sounds pretty fanciful and sounds incredible. It is, if anybody else does audio or any other podcasters out there know, it's really boring, though, to sit there and, and listen to the same thing over and over again for hours on end. But no, I, I went to Middle Tennessee State University for music production, and that's in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And, and of course, got involved in Music Row, got an internship at a recording studio, and had this incredible mentor that, that arguably is one of the just the best engineers alive right now. We we worked on George Strait records, Miranda Lambert records. Wow, that's cool. I was very fortunate in my 20s to be on all these records, kind of being the, the youngest guy in the room of, of records that were winning Grammys nonstop and things like that. So I learned a lot about audio and learned a lot from storytellers because I'm in Nashville and this is country music. Mm -hmm. and, and these stories are, these guys are trying to tell stories. These guys are, are really putting their, their heart into telling stories and and that really is kind of what formed going into this for us is we, we want to tell stories in the same way that a songwriter might invoke a vibe through their melody or through their guitar part. Yeah, and you totally do. So tell me about your sister, uh, Brienne, and her role and her, because I know that she, she works for a museum in New Orleans. Right. She's an archivist. She's, oh. a, she's a professional archivist. So she is... She works for Louisiana State Museum. She works out of the New Orleans Jazz Museum right now. That's that's really cool. It, it's awesome. Yeah, she's right there in the French Quarter. And she works on different projects. You know, as, as a lot of people know, if you're in that kind of museum field, it's all grant-based. So she kind of jumps from project to project. Recently, she just finished uh, indexing and scanning archives of the uh, Louisiana colonial documents. So she just went through wow. just hundreds and hundreds of documents of tax receipts, loan receipts, um, I mean, anything, legal documents that were going on when Louisiana was just a colony mm. in French. They were getting volunteers to translate and indexing and, and finding all these documents that, that lead to really interesting things. So I bet. if you can imagine, if you can imagine somebody who works in a closet with nothing but old things <laughs> and a giant scanner, Brianna's is there and she, that is her her total life and vibe, and and she thoroughly enjoys doing it. Yeah, yeah I bet your parents are proud. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to kind of talk a little bit more specifically about stories. So we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. 
For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. I'm back with Brandon Schneider, and I keep saying it like that because it's a hard name and I want to make sure I'm saying it right. I'm back with Brandon of the podcast Southern Gothic. Okay, now your stories, of course, are all steeped in Southern history. But as I was going through, I wanted to see how do you pick the stories? Like you mentioned the Bell Witch, just because that was a story that your wife heard. But how do you go through and pick the stories, maybe if you haven't heard them yourself before? Well, we have a list right now of about 75. <laughs> so we it, it grows. It's incredible because there's so many things that offshoot from each other. We have listeners who obviously send us stories from their small town that we then look, go look into and see if that could be a possibility. We have just books upon books, of course. Southerners are more than willing to tell you what spooked him out as a kid. And so there's, there's, a, there's a fairly large story. And then from there, you know, we might pick a few. As we go through, we kind of work on three or four at a time and, and see which one really could even be flushed out all the way, which ones we can actually find some primary sources on, like census records and things like that. And that helps us narrow it down to, to where we're at. Well, I was wondering, like, uh, I listened to just, of course, being from Mississippi, I listened to all the Mississippi ones first, but mm -hmm. you had the um, the Witch of Yazoo City, which as I was listening yeah. to it, I was like, I've heard this. I'm not from Yazoo City, but I was like, I've uh -huh. heard this story. Now, it's a mythical story. It's folklore, right? It's an old wives tale. Yeah. So what do you think is the percent of your stories that are like old wives tale? You're trying to flush out like where it came from versus something that's really like a true story. Yeah, well, they all seem to kind of be broken down into about three or four different categories. So you end up with some, just to preface that, that the South's so unique to begin with because there was such a convergence of all these different European cultures and then the transatlantic slave trade came in and such a convergence of all these cultures in this small area just over the course of about 100 years. And they all kind of mashed in. And so you have some stories that are really archetypal that came from other places and they mutated into the South. And you can trace back that these stories are just retellings with new kind of Southern landscape. Mm -hmm. Then there's other stories that a, a large part, you know, you, you had asked earlier about why Gothic per se. Right. We kind of lean on somebody like William Faulkner, who's the quintessential Southern Gothic writer, where what he was doing was he was writing about the fact that the South had this beautiful aristocracy and this, this large plantation culture that was very much like what the European empires looked like. And then when they fell, we see what the underbelly of that was. And we see kind of still that old glorification of this old culture that's not there anymore. And that's what you know, a Stoker with Dracula talked about. And now William Faulkner's bringing it to the South and sees the same thing. So we do see a lot of stories that are, they're almost glorifications of plantation culture. You see them with the children that were the the rich people's children that, that are losing their innocence in the new south and then they become a ghost yeah. uh we see things like things like that you know kind of uh, warning stories to people to not fall in love with bad guys or, or things of that nature and then we also see just straight up like the witch of yazoo where a really bad thing happened to this town that was struggling to survive and how do we cope with it well let's look at this weird thing and say, that's why it happened to us. It, it wasn't necessarily just an accident of a candle falling over in somebody's house. Somebody was out to get us. I never put those two stories together. The, the fire that happened in Yazoo in the early 1900s that burned the town down, basically. I never put that together with the Witch of Yazoo City. I just heard the story of, and I could have read it, 
in a Willie Morris book, honestly. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could have read it there because I majored in English lit at Ole Miss. So Faulkner is my jam. And I could have read it in a Willie Morris book about the chains around the grave that to this day just break for no reason. Right. And the truth is, is you look at that story and we don't know who's in that grave. Right. We don't know wh when that story started in reality. We know when Willie Morris did. There's some oral histories that are around a little earlier than Willie Morris that we can prove that people were at least talking about it. But that grave could have just been something like a mason. Mm -hmm. It could have been it could have been somebody in just a, a secret order, and we didn't know how to explain it. And it said TW on it, so that means it's the witch. The witch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could have been somebody named Tom Williams, you know. Exactly, exactly. We have no idea. That's so funny. But another story you told that I could not believe, and then I asked my parents about it. So my parents live now in Madison, Mississippi. We grew up in Jackson, but now they live in Madison out on a lake. You have the episode called The Bride of Annandale. And I just sort of clicked on it because honestly, I thought it was about like Annandale, Virginia. Then uh -huh. I clicked on it and I was like, oh, Annandale and the Chapel of the Cross. Now, I had a very good friend that got married at the Chapel of the Cross. It's right by my parents' current house. My parents know the people that own all the land there now. I used to go there in high school and drink wine coolers with my friends. You know, <laughs> and, they would try to, and then we would try to scare yeah. ourselves, you know? Uh -huh. That was the place you would go to be like, ooh, scary in high school, right? And it's right near my parents' house now. And last time I was in town, I, I drove past it. And I was like, oh, I forgot my friend got married there. And God, I remember we used to try to scare ourselves to death at this place. So I couldn't believe that the story was on your podcast. And it's such a, like, a whole different story. I, I knew that somebody haunted the cemetery, but I didn't know why. And you tell the whole story about the guy, last name is Vic from Vicksburg. Of course, we all know that in Mississippi. Got shot in a duel. He was buried there. And then his fiance comes from another cemetery that's like in Holly Springs or something and comes over to wa to wipe off his grave. She's Well, she's not even buried at the gravesite. Right. She's not there. She's at another one. She's buried by the husband that she had married afterward. You're dead on the point of why we did this is you had this fantastic memory of this story that you grew up with and you don't even really know what's there. I don't even know why I know the story or, or I, I know. And I don't even know great? the story correctly, you know? It's it's fantastic. I run I, all the time people I run into here in Tennessee or friends and stuff will say, "Oh my gosh, I grew up by that." Whether it's North Carolina, anywhere else. "Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I was just scared to go there." Yes. Is all, yeah, I was just scared to go there. And he didn't know why. I um I love that and on Erica Kelly's podcast Southern Fried True Crime, she recently did a story about someone that I, a woman that I knew that was um, murdered by her boyfriend from the country club of Jackson, where I grew up going to the country club. It was a horrible story. And she's telling it. And I'm like, how does Erica Kelly know this story about this woman in my town? But it's Southern stories, you know, and it's not exclusive to my town or your town. Now, okay, have you ever run across a story that you're just like, I'm not going to do that story? Like it's too much or it's too fake or I don't know. We'll vet everything. Typically, we, we've shied away from some that we felt like couldn't be done in our little 25-minute time range. We try and keep everything kind of in there. So there are a few that we kind of have on the back burner of trying to decide because it's such a large story. Usually, we shy away for that reason. We infuse a little bit of old true crime in there of course, but we try not to do anything that that's too modern. I don't, I don't go too far. If it's, if it's after World War II, then, then we kind of stay away from true crime just because I think those things are still developing and still have a lot of, a lot of fact around it that are researchable and, and haven't 
built this whole life of its own around it. Uh huh. Our interest is more in that kind of myth around it and what you heard about it as opposed to to really trying to retell something exactly as it was. So that's typically where we shy away from. But man, if we can if we can find information on something and we can go track down a primary source, then then we're gonna at least give it a go and see if it'll if it'll stand on its own. Do you ever come across one that you didn't know that like really sticks with you like two weeks later, even though you've moved on, you're really still thinking about it? Oh, man. <laughs> or is that all of them? It's, wow, I never thought about that one. <laughs> you know, we've, we've done almost 50 episodes now and half of them have been so internalized to me mm, really? that it can just, it can fly off my tongue and then the other half... I'm still living with even some of the older ones. Some of them have scared my children when I've told them the story. More than, <laughs> you know, um, I have a 12 year old. It's not like I'm scaring a, you know, a three year old. I was going to ask, how, yeah. how old are these children that you're scaring? Well, I have a 12 and a six year old, but the 12 year old is, you know, of course, enjoys hearing, hearing dad's stories just like we did when we were kids. Right, right. But no, I don't think any's really totally creeped me out. So there's no stories on the podcast that are like personal to you or your family or, you know, like you're going to be telling it be like, sidebar, this is a story about my granddad, you know, nothing like that. Well, we Not actually yet. did one. Uh, we actually did one about our, about an ancestor of ours. And, oh. and before I said that, to answer your question more succinctly, we're from New Orleans. We could probably tell you a hundred stories from New Orleans and go that way. And it, it, is, it could be only about New Orleans, I bet. It is hard work yeah. to do the other states some days, <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah. there's so much and we already have such a basic understanding of the history down there. But we did do one on, um, I had a, oh gosh, I think it was a five times great grandfather that was in the Civil War. And there's just a very brief story that had popped up in, in ancestry forums and things like that and had come up in a book about how after he had passed away in a POW camp, no, it wasn't a POW camp, I apologize. After he passed away at a camp outside of Richmond at the beginning of the war, the next day he showed up as he showed up to his two daughters, his two young daughters on a fence post back home in Georgia. And it was that basic, that basic of a story. He showed up as a ghost? He showed up as a ghost. Just, ha just hanging out? And his family had no idea that he was dead at that point. Uh! So, you know, the daughter comes running home to mom and says, hey, I just saw dad. Mom's like, no, no way. A couple days later, they get a letter in the mail saying dad's passed away. Ah! So we did this episode. We called it the Madison County Gray. And really, we kind of dove more into what was the life of, of somebody who was just a basic Confederate soldier. What, what was that? You know, he was a poor tenant farmer, didn't have a lot going for him. What was, how many people passed away in these camps from dysentery, from, from just all these diseases that these camps kind of made. And, and then we traced his unit a little bit to see where he would have gone. But um, those basic little stories have so much reality around them that you can check into and you can really That's crazy. create the context and, and bring you down to, to Georgia in 1862. Now, this is going to be a silly question, but do you ever talk to like psychics or mediums or does any of that ever play into your story? Like there was a story and a psychic said that blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. Does any of that ever come in? We stick to more the historical side Yeah. Um, on a personal level. 
we have quoted some psychics and we we've definitely some folks that have written and we've had some stories i know just recently over halloween we did a story here i, I now live in franklin tennessee which is just south of nashville about 20 miles south of nashville it's an old civil war town and we did um we did a story on the historic uh, franklin masonic hall down here and about a month we worked with the organization we worked with the executive director of the organization to make sure we put a very good clear history and represented them well and a few weeks before this it was right at halloween she calls me up and said hey i had a visitor over here and somebody came by they were on a little foot tour around town a little tourist town. it's a tourist town it's an old civil war battlefield somebody came by and said hey i feel i feel something coming from this place and i just wanted to come by and see was here and they and she took him through and this 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 old masonic hall had just been through the gamut of all the things that were awful about the south and and ever all the things that were tragic about the south where it had been a civil war hospital it had been everything the third floor had even been used by the kkk during reconstruction there was all these stories around it and this psychic started talking about some of the people that were there and my friend the executive director she starts to tell me there's no way this woman knows these names this isn't printed i have the original masonic log books here they've never been digitized they've never been recreated and she was dead on and what would be the point of her just coming up and lying and making up names i mean yeah nothing to, nothing to gain from it yeah absolutely there's no publicity around it anything she just happened to be in town and uh, and she said it was a, a fairly well-respected psychic however you know however you you fall in that category, I guess. That's crazy. Well, here in um, where I live in Old Town, Alexandria, I live right by uh, Mount Vernon. And Alexandria. Oh, my gosh. I love it there. Alexandria, Old Town is real steeped in history. And, you know, all the buildings have the plaque, you know, the historic plaques. And I know some friends, you know, have moved, what they say, like on the cobblestones, like on the original streets in Old Town and stuff. And our church that we attend was where George Washington's actual, actual funeral was because he was a member of Christ Church, which is right in Old Town, but the buggies couldn't make it there. So they stopped at our church, Presbyterian Meeting House, because that's where the doctor attended. So they just stopped there, had the funeral, and then went back to Mount Vernon because they couldn't make it all the way to Christ Church because of the roads. There's so many neat stories, and there's a Old Town ghost tour that my kids have been on before that they, and I'm kind of like scared to go because I don't want to put it in my mind. Ironically, I went to one of those when I was a kid in oh, Old yeah. Town, Alexandria. My my godmother was from New Orleans. She moved up there and was working in, in D.C. And she owned a house in Old Town. And I used to go spend about a month every summer with her. And we used to go on those colonial ghost tours. I mean, Old Town, it's got, it's it runs the gamut in stories. Yeah. There's so many. And, you know, I'm hoping to do one here soon um, with Gadsby's Tavern. Mm. And right by there's where I so work. many. There's yeah. so much there. It's that, that. It's been around forever. And there's so many historic figures that are involved in all of those things down there. The yeah. place is called Windsor of Old Town now. It's like a, it's sort of like a men's salon where like the men can get their hair cut and like drink bourbon and watch sports all at the same time. It's a really neat little place. And I go there every so often to get, you know, a massage or whatever. And that place is on the tour. And every single person that works there, it's just no big deal. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't know who it is. Yeah. We just hear them yeah. walking around <laughs> and they're like, they don't bother us. We don't know. I was like, <laughs> I'm scared. I don't know. Like they don't do anything. They don't knock stuff off the shelves. These ghosts yeah. don't do anything. They're just there. You can hear them on the stairs. You can hear them up in the attics and stuff, but they're 
walking around. They don't bother us. It's like, yeah, I hear that a lot from the, the folks that we talk to that are involved in restoration of these old places where, where they're like, I don't really have a story, but they're here. You can, <laughs> you know? you can hear them. You can feel it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, makes me so nervous. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what's great about your podcast is that you tell these stories in a very respectful way, but also in the way of, like I was saying about Chapel of the Cross, growing up, you know, in high school, somebody said Chapel of the Cross. I thought it was like the scariest, most rundown. But I mean, it's a real church where my friend got married. It's gorgeous. And, Absolutely. But you hear it growing up, Chapel of the Cross, and you think it's something really scary when actually it's just a beautiful church that's got all this myth behind it. Oh, yeah. So cool. Um, and I will tell you, you know, as a, as a Southern southerner uh, steeped in the storytelling my dad always says um you know don't let the truth get in the way of a good story you know uh -huh. but he'll start telling a story to, especially to like my husband who's new in the family after we've been married 20 years he's new in the family and <laughs> i'll start telling my husband oh let me tell you this story and he goes on and on and we'll just look right at him and go dad that is not true that is not uh -huh. true and he'll say oh. well he'll say well that makes a better story so that's a lot yeah. of how these stories get passed on, right? Like it's just the hyperbole of the generations as it goes, you mm -hmm. know? And, and, and Absolutely. You can well, my dad used to tell us a story about this guy that that was Mr. Nolan that lived on the other side. We live right next to the Mississippi River growing up uh -huh. and lived on the other side of the levee. Mr. Nolan, if I didn't eat my dinner, Mr. Nolan was going to come by and he was going to eat it for me. Ooh. And if you think about it, you know, my dad made this thing up to kind of tease his kids, but what if I told my little friends? And then the next thing you know, that kind of developed and in 50 years. Somebody's doing a podcast about, did Mr. was Mr. Nolan real? Was he really coming yeah. over and eating children's yeah. dinners? <laughs> you know, this is what Southern dads do. I do the same thing to my kids. Just, <laughs> just, just scare them to death. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, all right. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, I'm back with Brandon of the Southern Gothic podcast. Now, y'all, this is, I've loved talking to Brandon because I love talking to a fellow Southerner, just no matter what. But hearing him talk about his stories and his family and everything, it just really like takes me home. So I think all my Southern friends, especially, are going to love listening to this and then also love uh, listening to Southern Gothic if they didn't know about it already. So on this podcast, I talk about other podcasts, talk about podcasts that I like, but I'm always especially interested in what podcasters are listening to, especially one like you, because you have this whole background in engineering and podcast production. You're not just the voice of it. You're doing all of it. So I'd love to hear what you're listening to. Well, it's weirder because of that. Um, I, I definitely listen to all the same ones y'all listen to. I 
right now. I'm just as tiger kinged up as everybody else. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, so right now I really love finding independent podcasts that I don't want to say they don't know what they're doing. I want to say that they're not afraid to be creative in a way that traditional radio broadcast podcasts are. Mm -hmm. And so right now I just came across just in the last week, this one that I've been binging, it's called scary story podcast, scary Very story, okay. scary story podcast. And it's the, the host's name is Verity Clayton and she has a British accent. She's clearly uh, from England or I, I don't even know yet. I haven't even gotten that deep into looking that much into her. And she tells these just fantastic little stories that are kind of psychological. It's a very slow approach. But on top of that, she puts this music that just makes this atmosphere where you're not just listening to the story, you're entering this little world and you just feel like you're there. It's You've heard of like ASMR with people listening to sound effects yeah. to go to sleep and things like that. It, it kind of borders on that. And so I've really been interested in, in, in her podcast and, and those ones that'll build that atmosphere. At the same time, I mean, obviously from a history front, we're I mean, I'm really into it. It's a podcast called History That Doesn't Suck. Brian brought this to me. Okay. It's History That Doesn't Suck with Professor Greg. And he's a, he's a college professor. And these guys do this just incredibly well-researched history. In the same vein of if you listen to Dan Carlin or one of the other traditional history podcasts, he does something like that. But it feels more accessible. He's got some sound effects. He tells a story really well. So we, we always recommend Professor Greg's stuff. He's a great guy. And, you know, I really, of course, you don't need a recommendation on this, but I kind of came up, Radiolab was always the big one for me, right? Because it was just so, so different. Do you know I've never listened to Radiolab? Oh my gosh, Radiolab was, you know, this, I didn't mean to recommend Radiolab at the moment, but if you haven't listened to it, I, because- Isn't that funny? Some of the huge ones I've never listened to. (laughs) I I, I believe it. There's so many out there and, and there's so many things that, that, just will touch you personally. You have so many options and, you know, Radiolab coming up in studios and being able to listen to things on really expensive, nice speakers on Music Row and you hear the depth of of the stories and the way that they're framing it. That's what's always cool to me. But the last podcast really that I would recommend right now to everybody who's, who's likely stuck at home and trying to get a little boost, there's a podcast called Carolina Shout. Carolina Shout, okay. It is a podcast about ragtime music. And before you think it's not your thing, please go listen to it. You are going to smile. You are going to enjoy it. The host's name, it's uh, Ethan Uslin, and he is uh, just an incredible piano player. And he plays these ragtime songs, and he tells you the story about these old ragtime songs. But he does it with such passion and personality little 20-minute podcasts, and you are going to smile, and it will brighten your day. So definitely check out like Carolina Shout for sure. Okay. A good friend of mine listens to a lot of history podcasts. Listen to a lot of Dan Carlin, um, Lindsey Graham. He, so anytime there's any new history podcast, I tell him. So History That Doesn't Suck and Carolina Shout sounds like two things. He would like Carolina Shout just because he loves the music. He likes any kind of music podcast that explains any kind of history of music. So those are two really good ones. Scary story I'm interested in because I also enjoy a British accent. Oh, well, what's awesome about podcasts is we get everybody's accent. Yeah. Nobody's trying to have that generic Midwestern 
you know, broadcast voice and, and we get their personality. It's great. It's so funny to me when people say to me that they, oh, and they've got this, this uh, Southern host or my Southern friend, Mary Payne's coming on. And I'm like, I don't sound Southern at all compared to my family. I mean, I sound I sound like a total Yankee, you know. Sure, yeah. And uh, and my kids, you know, grew up here in Virginia, but they go to camp in um, Alabama, DeSoto and Alpine, and mm-hmm. they um, come back just with the accent. Like, mom, you wouldn't believe it, just like such an accent. And I'm like, oh, I love it. They, it only stays for a couple of weeks, but I just like, oh, if I would have grown up in if my kids would have lived in Mississippi, they would have had that accent all the time. But. When you've lived up here, you know, I've lived here now longer than I lived in Mississippi, you know, because I'm old, but uh, it, it's hard because it does, it does leave you. But the minute you get back on Mississippi, like the minute your plane lands, you're just right back to it, you know? Well, you can even tell the difference between our Southern accents because I'm right at the point where I've lived half my life in Tennessee and half my life in New Orleans. And New Orleans has its own weird, unique little, you know, it's a port town with all the the craziness. Mm -hmm. But my wife is from a small town in Tennessee, man. And and I can definitely go, I can, I want to call it hillbilly. She'll kill me. But I can definitely go full, full tilt with her if we have a couple cocktails. If you bring me (laughs) home, it goes to a different kind of New Orleans accent that, you know, is definitely very different. But you can hear it in people's voices, what what state they're from almost. If you're from the South, you can really hear the differences, like, especially like a Texas accent, you can really tell. I was, I've worked for a long time at this uh, little children's boutique in Old Town. And it's very like traditional Southern children's clothing. So a lot of people will come in there and they'll be in there like five minutes. And I'll go, where are you from? <laughs> they'll say, sure. oh, Mississippi. I'm like, me too. You know, or they'll yeah, be like, they're like Alabama. I'm like, I knew it. Or sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. I'm like, definitely Kentucky, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for my kids. My kids go, uh, Kids go between this kind of Creole saying dat and things like that and a muddy kind of yeah. Louisiana accent and hearing mom say pan and I'm going to make dinner. <laughs> I, I can't even do it. No, you say fi- I'm fixing to make dinner. Yeah, fixing, yeah. Fixing. We make groceries in New Orleans. You know, you fix din- fixing dinner here. But, um, yeah. They say what in New Orleans? Make? We call it make groceries. You go make your groceries. You don't, you don't go shopping for groceries. We're making groceries. Okay, now that I've never heard. We're, we're, we're an odd species. <laughs> <laughs> the New Orleans accent, it, for people that are really, truly from New Orleans, is always very interesting. It's just it's a little bit of like French Creole, a little bit, a little bit of hillbilly. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's a little, sometimes it's hard to get. You catch it in just about, I mean, all the southern towns, if it's a port town where you had a lot of different settlements early on, you just get these mishmash. I mean, I think a little bit, when you think of like a Charleston accent, it's not even really what you think there either because so many different cultures kind of came in and took over that city and, and you had the drawl and you had all these things and, and it made something even more unique than elsewhere. So I've been called everything from, from Canadian sounding to Boston sounding. To, I don't even know what at this Canadian point, but, I could get, I could know. get if people from New Orleans could be mistaken for just a slight Canadian. And it, sure. it ta- sometimes it takes me a while to talk to somebody before I realize they're Canadian. I'm like, wait, what'd you say? Are you from Canada? <laughs> well, that's what Cajuns were. Cajuns were, you know, they were kicked out of Canada to, down to New Orleans to settle. Oh, I didn't know that. I've learned so yeah. much in this last thirty minutes. <laughs> See, it's, uh, under quarantine, I'm getting I'm getting smarter instead of dumber, like my kids because they're not going to school. 
Oh, Lord. I'll tell you the best thing to come out of all this quarantine is all these funny things, um, these comedians and things, these Southern comedians that are putting up stuff about their kids. I mean, it's really just made my whole day, every day. The new ones are cracking me up. All the musicians that are just getting out there and doing Facebook lives. And free, yeah, free music, free music. Oh man, it is, it is definitely, it's, it's nice seeing artists really come together like that. Cause that's what they enjoy. They want to be in the spotlight. I have worked for these guys. They just, they want to be hams. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> so, let me get, let me get my ring light just so, so. And, then yeah. I'll, and then I'll go on the Facebook live. So I'm glad they've got this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much. Like, this has been great. And I love, always love talking to a Southerner, like I said. And tell your sister I said, hey. I definitely will. And um, tell my listeners where they can find out more about uh, you and the podcast. Sure. Our website is southerngothicmedia.com. Um, and of course, we're available on all the podcatchers. We have an Instagram and Twitter and everything. So. You can hook up with us on southerngothicmedia.com. And I tell y'all, if there's any Southern story you know, it's probably on there. Like I said, I couldn't believe a couple of st- stories I knew were on there, and I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. Um, and I well, if you ain't heard it yet, let me know. <laughs> yeah, and if you, and yet, if you have me. a new one, get in touch with Brandon. <laughs> Please do. Okay, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Mary Payne.